Tracy, that was beautiful. That's a beautiful song. Well, we're in the book of Daniel chapter 2, and verses 1 through 28. I'm not going to read all those verses, but select from the chapter. Turn me to Daniel 2 and stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Starting at verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Drop down with me to verse 10. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. And then down to verse 26 through 28. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Let's pray. Master, as we come to you, Father, sometimes... Our hearts are heavy. Sometimes we're disturbed. Sometimes we need to be reminded and we need courage. And it all comes from you, Master. And as we look at this account in the life of Daniel, may we be reminded, Father, of what we're to do, where we're to go, who is our support. Father, just speak to our hearts, Lord. Take the weakness of my efforts infused with the power of your wonderful Holy Spirit and say something. Because we need to hear from you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The scripture opens up and we find King Nebuchadnezzar restless, unable to sleep. He had a troubling dream. You know, I have this recurring dream Every couple of years, I don't know how. You know, you guys want to psychoanalyze the pastor, I know. But, you know, it's like I'm back in school, I'm back in college, and I don't have enough credits to graduate. And they're questioning whether or not some of the credits I got, I deserve. And, and you know, and it just seems so real. And, and I wake up thinking, man, I thought I'd already been through all that. I don't want to go back to school. And this is happening. This I, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I have this every so often. And I wake up thinking it just seems so real. Well, the king had this dream, and it, it kept him up. It 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 it, it, it worried him, and, and the dream just seemed so real. And and it was a matter of of great concern before him. And so as we read in the scriptures, he wants an answer. So in verse four, we read that he calls. The wise men, those who have answers supposedly in his kingdom, to come before him to interpret this dream. And, and, and let's just pick up the scripture here. The astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. 
O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. These guys have been around the block. They're, they're trying to find some information that they don't have. They're, they're, and basically, look at the king's answer here. He, the king replied to the astrologers, This is what I've decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. In other words, I think you guys are trying to con me. You're supposed to have special insight and information. That's why you're here. And it, you should know my dream. You should know what the dream is that I had if you have these powers. And guys, if you're trying to con me, I'm going to cut you up in little pieces and make you doggy snacks. And I'm going to just destroy your homes. And this was the picture that we see here of the king. You know, this thing's going to annoy me to death. I may end up a minute grab, just grabbing the thing behind me. Um, look at verse 6. He says, But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Look at verse 7. He says, once more, they replied, let the king tell me his servants the dream and we'll interpret it. Man, are they messing with danger. <laughs> Look what he says. I'm certain you're trying to gain time because you realize this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, <laughs> there's just one penalty for you guys. This is what's going to happen. You've conspired to tell me misleading, wicked things, hoping the situation will change. Tell me the dream. And I will know that you can interpret for me. Otherwise, as he said before, I'm going to have you cut up, guys. It's not going to be good. <laughs> the astrologers answered, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among them. These guys, the word here, um, astrologers, it also speaks of, of an idea of science. And, and these were guys that, that had answers. They were respected. And, and yet they said, there's no one that can understand this. No man is powerful enough to understand this. And true to his word, as we read down through the scripture, the king acts. Verse 12, the king was so angry and furious he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. The decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. This is a king out of control. He's ready to destroy all the wise men because of what these few said to him. Now notice verse 14, Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, he'd gone out to put to death these wise men of Babylon. <laughs> Daniel spoke to him with tact. Hey, Daniel wasn't a part of that original group. Can't you see Daniel's like, what is going on here? Why are you dragging out everybody? What happened? But he, he was careful in, in how he brought this before the king. And he, he asked, he says, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to him. <laughs> At this, the Daniel went into the king. And, and notice what he said. He, all he simply said was, I need time. I need time, king. 
so that I might interpret the dream for you. Daniel didn't try to fast talk his way out of the situation. Daniel didn't try to cover up. I mean, after all, that hadn't worked so good for the other guys. But what Daniel did was he said, I need time. What an honest answer. We try to fix everything. We try to come up with these answers. We come up with these formulas. Instead, Daniel said, I need some time. I need some time. And what did he do with that time? Verse 17, it says, Daniel returned to his house. He explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what happened? Man, we had a good old-fashioned prayer meeting. None of this praise be to the awesome God who gives me every wonderful little thing and item of luxury in my lap with this wonderful kind. No, hey, at the floor, Lord, help! I mean, that's what was going on. I mean, this was, this was a heartfelt, we're in trouble. And you know what? It was a perfect place for a miracle. What is a miracle? The impossibility of man plus urgency equals miracle. And this is what's going on here. There is an impossible situation. Daniel doesn't have an answer. So he says, guys, we need to talk to God about this. We need to cry out to the Lord because we can't fix this in and of ourselves. We need God to give us the answer. It's beautiful here as you, as you read down through here. <laughs> During the night, verse 19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Now the king, it was a dream that upset him. But evidently here, Daniel wasn't awake. He was praying. And in the midst of that prayer, the Lord spoke to him and, and, and revealed. I'm going to grab that mic back here. Hang with me a minute, guys. I'm cut this off. All right, there are praying during the night in a vision. He revealed, God revealed to Daniel what the dream meant. And I love it. You know, so often when we. We figure something out or, you know, we like to take credit for stuff. We begin to, you know, uh, strut around like a rooster. Look at what I did. But I, Look at his response. This is great. I'm, I'm just going to read his prayer. Look at verse 20. He says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank and praise You, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of You. You have made known to us the dream of the King. There's no doubt in Daniel's mind where this answer came from. It was from God's power. It was an impossible situation plus urgency running to God and God showed him what he needed to know. Um, years ago, a young guy who grew up in inner city Houston, he labeled himself a bully. And uh, as a bully, he was constantly getting into trouble <laughs> 
But his friends came up to him and said, since you're such a tough guy, why don't you go over there to the gym and, you know, try out some boxing. So he went over there and, hey, was pretty good at it. Guys started helping him, learning how to box. You know what? He got to be really good at it. <laughs> then, years later, he got a call from his mom and his favorite nephew. He had had a complication where he went into a coma. And they didn't think he was going to live. And so this boxer, he, he, he went into the hospital room and, and, and he spoke to the family and he said, I don't care what it costs. I want you to get the best doctor in the world. I want him to have the best care. I don't care. I want every resource imaginable spent for my nephew. And his mom said, honey, that doesn't matter. The only one at the moment that can help him, the doctors have said he's in a coma, is to pray. So for the real first time in his life, unable to win a fight, unable to conquer the guy standing across from him, that big bully of, of sickness, in this case, George Foreman fell to his knees. And he began to pray. And he, 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 he said, God, God, just, just wake him up out of this coma. And, and then he, he went back and he tried to rest and then he got back up and, and he said, God, I don't care about the money and everything that I have. Take it away, but raise my nephew. And then he went back to rest again. Then he got back down and he said, God, I don't even care about my life. God, take my life. Just let him live. It was a few days later, a miracle happened. They noticed that his nephew's was able to move his eyes. And then he spoke a few words. But they said he'll never walk again. But then a few days later, they saw his toes wiggle. And then before the month was out, he was walking. And he was talking. And he was back to before the accident. God had done a miracle. Then it was... After that, uh, George Foreman had rose to the top of boxing. He was after another shot at the title, and he ended up losing a bout. And in that bout that he lost, he ended up in back room. And while he was back there, he, he was just filled with anger. He's like, I, how could I lose? i got to rise back to the top. And his whole world and everything was, was about rising back to the top. And, and suddenly in that time, I... This is from his book. Um, as, and I don't know exactly what happened, but he had a he had a vision, or or he started thinking about what really mattered, and 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 he imagined, you know, not boxing. Imagine not having any money. Imagine not having resources. He he imagined being bankrupt, impoverished, and and when it was all said and done, he imagined that one day he's going to die. And in the midst of all that, he came face to face with the fact that he needed Jesus. And it was in that time and it was in that place, George Foreman bowed his knee to Jesus Christ and he retired from boxing. And he began preaching. It was funny because I watched a YouTube video of, of this was when he, was, he would actually street preach in Houston. And uh, he said, he's so funny if you ever heard George Foreman. But he said, I'm preaching. He said, nobody's listening. They're walking by me and everything. And he said, so I said, hey, my name's George Foreman. I have boxed Muhammad Ali. And um, I fought box Ken Norton, and he, he says, and, and, and God is, 
God has me now preaching for the Lord Jesus Christ. And suddenly they'd stop and they'd listen. And, and he preached for over 30 years at a church in Houston. God changed his life. And you know why he got back into boxing? It was interesting. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it caught my attention. He had opened a youth center. All he ever knew was boxing. He ran out of money. So he had to keep the youth center open, so he started boxing again. <laughs> Until he came up with the idea of this George Foreman grill. But open, <laughs> opened up that... Uh, but God got a hold of his life. God changed him. And, and then God's in the miracle business. He takes something that's impossible and, and he, guys, he, he makes it possible. It's so hard to wait though, God. It's so hard to wait at times. Daniel was in that posture of waiting. Back to, to Daniel. I'll just read a couple of verses on waiting. Um, Romans eight twenty five. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's faith. We don't yet have it, but we have a confidence that we will. Isaiah 40, 31, familiar to so many of us. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. Um, Isaiah thirty eighteen. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. In Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It's interesting in the Hebrew here in um, verses 17 and 18 where he comes to his friends and he covenants with them to pray in this desperate hour to get the answer. The word... Um, that is used for friends here in verse 17 is a Hebrew word that means to tie in a knot. He's saying, guys, God has tied us together, our hearts in a knot, to be close, and, and He wants that knot to go to Him in prayer to find the answers. And, and it, it, I guess the bottom line is we need to pray. Do you pray? Do you run to God after everything else is exhausted? Every other answer has been tried and failed. When do you run to God? When, when do you seek Him? He's the one that's faithful. It, uh, Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess His name. Prayer. Notice here, uh, as we go down here through the scripture here, verse 24, as we jump back into the account. And then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed, and to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Look, look at the next verse. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Arioch, you're a liar. He didn't find Daniel. Daniel found him. He wanted to take the credit. And Daniel's such a beautiful picture here of one who was not after the credit. He gave God the credit. And, and so there's that choice here for all of us. Do we want to be like Arioch and, and take the credit? Or do we understand that the credit belongs 
to God. He's the one who deserves the credit. And, and, and notice how he has the big picture as Daniel stands before the king. Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, are you able to interpret what I saw in my dream? Are you able to tell me what it means? Look at Daniel's answer. No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. In other words, you know, those all those people you called in here, they were right. The answer to, does not come from people. But notice what he says. But there is a God in heaven. Amen. There's a God in heaven. You know, I just love it. He says, there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I'm so grateful God reveals himself to us, aren't you? He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are they? Daniel said, the credit belongs to God. And I'm about to give you an answer. We're not going to look at that today. We don't have time to look at the answer given. But the point is, Daniel said, this is not about me having the answer. This is God. Oh, king, turn to God. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer in the Lord God. Daniel was showing him what it means to love God, to follow Him, to seek Him, and to trust Him. And not in oneself. Or all these other gods and idols. There's only one true God. He's the one who reveals what you need to know, King Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what? He's the one who reveals what you and I need to know. He's the one who has the answers. We need to pray. Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, as a boy, once said to his mom, Mama, you can't be good without praying. How do you know, Robert? She asked, because I've tried. Isn't that true? And then, uh, then, then it, uh, this example talks about a story of another little guy. He was sent to his room because he'd been bad. Oh, I'll remember that story. Short time later, he came out and said to his mother, I've been thinking about what I did, and I said a prayer. That's fine, his mom said. If you ask God to make you good, he will help you. I didn't ask him to make me be good, replied the boy. I asked him to help you put up with me. God help us. One way or another, we need your help, don't we? Listen to this quote from John Bunyan. This is good stuff, guys. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Let me read that one more time. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. You need God. I need God. Why do we run everywhere but to God? Oh, God, may we run to you. God came through for Daniel. And, and I don't know, maybe many of you, well, probably in some manner all of us, are ripe for a miracle, as they say, because we face something that is just impossible. We can't fix it. It's urgent. And it's time to cry out to God about it. God deliver. God free. God work. Let, let me close with a story before we have our response time. 
uh, read about a pastor and his family, and they had a beloved kitten. You know how we all are about our pets. And this kitten climbed up in a tree. Couldn't get the kitten to come down. So the pastor, being a very intelligent man of God, he, he got him a rope and he tied it around the skinny tree. And He drove forward a little bit so the tree would move down. His idea was he was going to come out of his car and then get the kitten. Well, he pulled the tree down. It was a skinny tree, so that worked. But before he could grab the kitten, the rope broke. So the kitten goes flying through the air. Well, he looks all over the place for his kitten. The family's totally devastated. You killed the kitten. You know, you can imagine. Boy, I'm not trying that. Just thinking about it. Okay, anyway. Well, it was a few days later. He was in the grocery store and he saw one of his church members. A lady he knew hated cats. Buying cat food. He thought, this is weird. What is this about? So he went up to the lady and he said, I I know you don't like cats. Are you buying the cat food for somebody else? She said, no, you will not believe what happened at my house. What happened? Well, my little girl has been begging for a kitten. And begging and begging and begging. And I said, no, we're not getting a kitten. We're not getting a kitten. So she ran out in the yard, got on her knees, and began praying, God, give me a kitten. And would you believe a kitten came flying through the air and landed in front of her? How could I say no? (laughs) You never know how God's going to answer prayer, do you? Let's pray. Father, you know us. And you love us, God. Miss and all. And we come to you, many of us, with what we see as impossible at the moment. It's urgent. We need you. And we plead with you to reveal yourself to us because we're not big enough, smart enough, or able enough to deal with it alone. Provide what is needed. And Father, maybe for one here, maybe there's someone here for the first time has come to say, you know, I want to be more than a person who goes to church sometimes. I I need God to be a real part of my life. And that's what the gospel's about. And Jesus Christ wants to enter lives and change hearts and forgive. And, And anyone here who has not said yes to the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ and This time is for you. Um, Just be honest and say, God, I I need you. I have disobeyed you. I I have sinned and I need to be forgiven and I need a new start. And and when we do that, um, God enters our lives and Jesus gives us a new start. We just have to come with an honest heart and you forgive. I pray anyone here that needs that may receive you. I pray for the rest of us, Lord, who we try to fix things like the pastor putting the rope around the tree and pulling the tree. The rope breaks. doesn't work. We think, well, what what now? We just need to run to you. And so I, I pray now we would. 
whether it's to come to this altar and pray or to share with the church family something you're up to, God, or just make a decision right where we are to cry out to you, Lord, with our situations. But the truth is, with men it is impossible, but not for God. For with God, all things are possible. So may you work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.